now that I'm older, I know that money is important, but I don't feel it in my day to day. It's in my bank account and who I'm working with. Like that really matters, right? Like that, like, and it's funny because when people think about like work and their career, like they don't really factor in like, well, who are you interacting with day to day? And that may be more important than like the industry that you're working in. Are you energized by the people around you? Are they, you know, are you still growing, et cetera? Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately, how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Sarah Paiji Yu. Sarah is the founder of Blueland, a new eco-friendly and sustainable consumer products brand that is reinventing conventional household and personal care products to shift the way consumers think about and choose their everyday necessities. Her mission is to drastically reduce the need for single-use plastic through innovative, biodegradable, and thoughtfully designed cleaning products that will eliminate the need for 100 billion single-use plastic bottles in the United States. Sarah is no stranger to the startup life. Before Blueland, she was the founding partner at Launch, which created cult favorite brands like M. Jemmy and Rockets of Awesome. She was the CEO and co-founder of Snapbet, the largest mobile platform for local fashion shopping that was extremely ahead of its time. And she eventually sold that company to Price Grabber in 2013. And after she sold that company, she actually attended Harvard University for her MBA from 2010 to 2012. And she ultimately decided to drop out of Harvard to start Blueland. And the rest is history. Even though Blueland recently launched, it's already been praised by Fortune, Fast Company, CNN, Refinery29, Business Insider, and countless other outlets as the new eco-friendly company to watch. And I've been using the product in my home since the beginning of this year, and I have to say, I love everything about it. It is effective and it's beautiful, but it's also a reminder to continue my practice of reducing my personal single-use plastic and... I I really have nothing but great things to say about it. On today's episode, we get into Sarah's career journey and how she knew when it was time to leave her previous ventures, her decision to go to business school, and also her decision to drop out of business school, how she came up with the concept for Blue Land and what it was like to launch a first-of-its-kind product. We talk about her experience being on Shark Tank and landing a deal with Kevin O'Leary. That was a really fun story. How COVID has impacted the business the intersection of sustainability and racism, and why it is so important to be radically honest with yourself on your values and priorities before making any big career decisions. So with that, let's get into this week's episode with Sarah Paiji Yu. So thank you so much for being on the Active Ingredient Podcast. I am such a fan of Blue Land. I actually just ran out of my soap, so I need to buy some more. <laughs> oh, amazing. That's always good. That's always amazing to hear. 
Yeah. So I am, I'm really pumped to have a conversation with you. Um, and I've read and heard a little bit about your story, but before we get into that, I always like to start the podcast asking what you were like as a kid. And, um, the reason I ask that a lot is because when I interview people that are, or I believe are in their active ingredient or working in their active ingredient, a lot of the times, a lot of characteristics of what you were like when you were 10 years old tend to come and flourish while you're working in your active ingredients. So I would just love to hear from you from what you remember, what your parents say, what you were like as a kid. And um, if, if those characteristics, you see them kind of in your life today. Got it. No, I, I love that. I love, I love that question. It's a great starting point. Um, I think I would say that when I was a kid and, and still today, you know, I've always had this almost a rational belief in myself. I've always been pretty optimistic. Um, it's certainly not an irrational belief in my innate abilities, but really just a belief that I could work really hard uh, to get anywhere I wanted to go. Um, and I think since I was really young, I always just worked really hard and was a bit of a perfectionist. Um, you know, even I remember my family still jokes, I latched onto this idea very early on um, that I want to go to Harvard. This is like in elementary school. And did your parents go to Harvard? Not the, I, I did end up going to Harvard. Yeah. No, no, did, did your parents go to Harvard? Like where did, no, I always love to no. ask like, where did this come from? You know? That's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly where it come from. And I think it was just, and again, I knew nothing about the school. My parents didn't go there. And so I think it was just about what it represented. Oh um, that it was just supposed to be the best and that's what I wanted. And I wanted to achieve that. Um, and I think especially like being young, I heard like, you know, like no one from our small town ever goes to schools like that, which I think made me want it even more. Um, and so, yeah, I think in that sense, I've always been pretty, you know, optimistic and resilient and just confident in my ability to just figure things out. Um, That's amazing. Those are all qualities you absolutely need to be in your position yeah. right now in business. So that's awesome. That And it's something that a lot of people, especially a lot of our listeners, like are looking to build that confidence if it's not innate like it is for you. So that's amazing that that's kind of like a God or universe given gift to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because I don't think until pretty recent, it wasn't until later on in my career, though, that I felt entrepreneurial. I would oh, really? say that despite all of those things, I definitely was not entrepreneurial. I was pretty risk averse. Like I, I wanted, I always wanted to do big things um, and have an impact on the world around me. But I think I thought about it in the confines of like existing structures. And so I do think that for the most, like for most of my life, I led a pretty like square existence. I didn't think about like going out and starting my own thing. I figured, you know, even within business, I would just, you know, kind of slowly, steadily climb that, that corporate ladder. And that obviously changed. So I want to get into kind of your trajectory, but I would love for you to kick off kind of your career story with how you first got out of your small town, because that's kind of the first step for a lot of these interviews on people leaving small towns and going to big cities like New York or LA, San Fran, et cetera. Um, and it's like kind of an over an overlooked part of people's stories, but that is a huge thing to do. So I would yeah. love to hear from you on how that transition happened and then about your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I grew up in a small suburb 
In California, um, you know, most all of my classmates from high school stayed in California. That's like a very popular, like, why would you leave California? I, I still, <laughs> I, I, I sometimes wonder that, that myself and I'm hoping to make my way back yeah. at some point. Um, but I think for me at a young age too, I just recognize that like, wow, college is a great opportunity to venture out um, mm-hmm. even for four years, you know, get familiar with another like location and I could always come back to California. And so I was pretty dead set on Harvard or just, you know, getting out of California. Um, and I did, so I ended up going to Harvard and I think, you know, that just really opened up my eyes in in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think certainly, you know, post Harvard, I ended up going to New York city, like, like many of my classmates, that was really where the gravitational pull was at that point. Mm-hmm. And that was like, you know, 2006, you know, finance was in, you know, was in full swing. Um, you know, the economy was doing really well. You know, there were a lot of tech IPOs happening. Um, Is that what you studied? Um, I ended up studying economics. So I initially, for the longest time, I thought I wanted to be like a doctor or an investigative reporter. Like I always mm. knew that I want to like have an impact on like people around me and on the world. Um when I then went to school, I became really interested in business. I just loved how business was so, it just felt, at least for me, just more multifaceted. And, um, and I did believe, and I continue to believe that like businesses, you know, along with governments are just, you know, such massive levers for driving change in the world at scale. Um, And yeah, that's kind of how I set my sights on on business and ended up falling into like a pretty like well-trodden track at that point, at that point, like, you know, the, the path, the well-known path in business with my classmates was just, you know, going into investment banking or going into consulting and, you know, doing that for a handful of years to start. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. I kind of took, I, I took the kind of this, this safe path um, or whatnot. And I, you know, spent a couple summers at Goldman Sachs in investment banking. You know, I uh, did um, then two years at McKinsey as a management consultant. Um, after that, sort of continued to stay in finance and work as an investor mm-hmm. at a, a private equity firm called Berkshire. So all very, um, again, safer activities that I felt were the right next step for me at that, that, that part of my career because they all exposed me to a wide range of other industries. Like whether yeah. in banking or consulting, you're working with a with other companies in you know across a range of industries and in a, across a range of functions, mm-hmm. and so it was a really great starting point for me to understand like what does marketing mean, what does operations mean, what does strategy mean, um, you know. But all under kind of like a specific umbrella, right? Yeah, you were yeah, an umbrella, and there was like a safety net, exactly. And it was yeah. like a big company that had like training programs in place. Yeah, they had like. I mean, I always say. I always say rotational program or anything like this that you can kind of see every facet of something. I always recommend, especially if you're starting out, like I think it's absolutely amazing, but it's interesting to me to talk to people like you that have been in that, in that role or that umbrella of business for such a long time. I, I love to talk to people about if they've created kind of an identity within that space and like your network knows you as that, that's how you see yourself as. And I love to talk about like the psyche of removing yourself from that space and going into a completely different one, not maybe knowing that network or not maybe knowing like how to kind of move in that, in that different space, because 
the identity part of it, I think is the biggest, the biggest piece of the puzzle to switch gears, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that switching of identities is for sure hard, but I think, you know, I I definitely recommend those types of programs as well, just Mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know, with any job, it's so hard to like read a description and know like what it means or whether Mm -hmm. you're going to enjoy it. And I think these programs just give you just so much more exposure and ability to explore and really understand like because I mean so many times in life I feel like there's things that you like on paper it sounds like it would be perfect and you would love it and then you go in and you realize that like oh it's it's just like with a lot you know a lot of women in fashion even myself early on my career I was like oh maybe I want to work at a fashion brand right or at a retailer and then I realized no I like I I enjoy shopping but it's that's very different from like you know the kind of work that that I want to I love that you brought that up because I feel like also a lot of people that listen to this podcast have a hard time deciphering whether something is a hobby or whether something is a business or something that is a career path for them. Um, In these roles, what was it that you found that you were like gravitated towards and how did you identify that that was actually something that you can build a career um, off of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I what I did like about these roles were again, that they were like multifaceted. Mm -hmm. I realized I enjoyed wearing a lot of different hats. I realized I struggled to just say that I'm passionate about marketing or I'm passionate about operations Mm -hmm. or human resources. And so I think that definitely laid the foundation, some of the foundation for me, for me to realize later that like entrepreneurship was a great path because you can't wear so many different hats and it's, it's so unique um of a you know role to to position to be in because of your ability to do that I think um I also just realized I like agency like just being able to like do things and make change I think you know in finance as like an investment banker or as a consultant I definitely didn't feel as fulfilled because ultimately you were just making a bunch of recommendations and you know, you weren't in the driver's seat and ultimately you'd hand it over to the client and, you know, they could do nothing with it. They could, you know, go in a direction you didn't agree with. And it's not tangible. It's like, you can't see the fruits of your labor turn into something and actually create the change that you set out to do in the first place. Totally, 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 totally. So I think, you know, I realized that there was, you know, part of like the rolling up, you know, my sleeves and just like really getting involved and seeing something through, um, that I really loved. Um, so then you started your first company, yeah. which I would love for you to kind of walk us through that process. Um, and then I would love for you to get into Blue Land because I am obsessed with Blue Land. I really am. Oh. I can go get my products right now. Like I'm really obsessed with it. Like, I'm not even, my boyfriend was like, we need to buy more, more pods. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we, we really do. Um. Yeah, so, you know, after my sort of foray into finance and consulting and then back into finance, you know, I realized that while I really, again, so appreciated those experiences that I I had and I Mm -hmm. wouldn't like actually change a thing and I highly recommend, you know, those set of experiences um, for, you know, people interested in those fields, you know, I realized that for myself, like I didn't, that's not what I wanted to do for life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. And I knew that it was going to be hard to just figure that out while I was also like working full time. And that's another thing, you know, I think, you know, expecting people, especially for their, you know, working a job that has like really long hours or that are stressful to at the same time, be able to pull back and do like a real robust job search and really try to figure out. It's a whole job. It's, it's just, it's a whole, it's really hard 
to do. And so I, I did have the luxury at that point of going to business school. And I really viewed it as I didn't, you know, and, you know, for each person, it's very different. I felt like I had a pretty strong business, you know, foundation. And for me, it was just more, you know, being able to go and take a break, um, you know, you know, meet a variety of classmates and friends that, you know, have come from a bunch of different industries and be able to pick their brains, you know, have the luxury of being able to do like at least one summer internship, you know, and just, it was just time I thought that, you know, would be, I could get credit for, but still be able to like step back and right. really think about what it was that I wanted to do, do next with, with my Do you career. think, I mean, obviously it ended up working out amazing for you, but for anyone that you are talking to that may be in a similar position that you were in, is business school something that you recommend? And if so, is it more so for the network than it is for the actual curriculum? Yeah, I think it really depends on the person. I definitely can't go in and say wholeheartedly, like, yes, everyone should go to business school. I think it depends mm-hmm. really like what you want to get out of it. I think um, if you know exactly what you want and you have the set of experiences to get there, right? Like if you are in marketing, you love marketing, you have a strong marketing background. I don't know if it makes sense to step out, get that MBA and then come, come back, right? right? Um, I think for people that are, looking to make a switch, like people that are going from nonprofits and they are, they think they want to go into finance or some other thing like business school can absolutely make sense with that transition. And there's definitely, um, you know, real like hard skills, um, and knowledge that you can pick up. Um, but you know, otherwise, or for, you know, for people like me that, you know, want to, you know, really be able to have the time to figure, have no idea what it is that they really want to do that's a good time for that. And I do think the the network is certainly one of the most valuable aspects um, of business school as well. But I would say just for the network to spend, you know, that much time and money. uh, It's also a lot because it is a lot of, a lot of, you know, both money and just opportunity costs. So did your first idea come from business school for your first business? Yeah, so it did. It did. So um, still at that point, like I didn't think I was, I was entrepreneurial. So like oh, even really? with my business school application. Harvard I, business school and you're not entrepreneurial. Come on. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but I just, I felt like I was like, okay, I'm going to go to business school. I'll probably, you know, use the time to figure out like what industry I want to end up in, but I'll mm-hmm. end up at like some sort of big company, you know, whether yeah. it's like G or a Saks or a Google. And it was just kind of more about figuring out what function and what mm-hmm. company. Um, and then when I got there, uh, it just was an interesting time. At that point, it was like 2010. Um, there had been a series of women that came out of business school right before me that had, um, that had been quite, you know, had seen early successes. So like the guilt group women, you know, that had just happened, you know, the Birch Box, Bobble Bar, you know, Learn Vest, um, Stitch Fix, that woman was wow. a, a year ahead of me. And so I think that was really inspiring just to see that, you know, these women who had almost identical backgrounds to myself, you know, were very similar age, just decided to go out and just make it happen. And the Rent the Runway women actually had come and spoken while, while I was there. And even just them breaking it down, just hearing like, it's not rocket science. They just started like, they just bought like 20 dresses and started like, doing trunk shows as sororities and just dry cleaning themselves and just renting these like dresses out. And that's, I think, I think it, one of the most valuable things about mentorship or just like seeing other people that did it with your same background that look like you that, you know, like that is, totally. that is the, the thing that pushes people to see it in themselves. 
Yes, agree, 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 agree. So, so it really saw it in them. for me. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in them and I was like, oh, I can I can do this. And yeah. then I realized that, you know, entrepreneurship definitely checked a lot of the boxes for me personally, where like I knew I still want to be like in a fast paced environment, you know, working with smart people. I want to be able to touch a lot of different, you know, areas mm-hmm. of the business. And I think I was lucky that because I was in business school, it also de-risked the whole thing, right? Because yeah. then, then I decided like in business school, like, you can take classes as seriously or not serious as you want. You know, I kind of made the decision like grades don't really matter. And so I had the free time. And so I just decided like, look, I want to use this time in business school to also like start working on an idea because, you know, that's just hard. It's hard. I, I really feel for people that have full-time jobs and they're like, but I have this startup idea. And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so exhausting. Yeah. Right. It's a moonlight. Because um, it's a lot like yeah. to have your full job and then nights and weekends to pursue something like fully is... Mm-hmm. A lot. And that's what startups take. Like when you're taking something from like zero to like something meaningful, like it's not easy. And yeah. so, um, so I kind of was just dead set on like, okay, like I'm in business school, I just start something, like start working on something in business school. And so that's um, when, you know, the initial idea for a snap bet came. So now we're at Blue Land. <laughs> yes. Can you walk me through, first of all, how you came up with the brilliant idea? Um, it's the first of its kind. So I, I just, I would love to hear how you started convincing people that this was something to pay attention to. Um, and yeah, walk me through what stage in your life you were in and just how, how the whole thing started. Yeah. Yeah. So with Blue Land, um, it's interesting. It just, it's one of those things that definitely, you know, came out, came about completely organically. Um, you know, Blue Land, I, I've been working on Blue Land about the same number of years that my son is. Um, so I had just become a new mom. I had my son. Um, I was very open at that point in my life in terms of, um, I didn't know how I was going to, how I was going to feel on the other side of, of motherhood. Right. And I was very open to like, maybe, you know, my, you know, my thoughts on work and my relationship work may, with work may change. Um, like, am I still going to love like early stage and the grind and like mm-hmm. with early stage startups, it, it just becomes very like 24 seven mm-hmm. often. Um, so I wasn't sure, but I had my son and, um, I realized that I still, I still love working. Um, but that if it was going to take, um, so much time, my time away from my son and my family that I just needed, um, it to have more meaning. I, I just needed to feel like I was having more impact. I think just the pure excitement around the challenge of launching something new into the world um, wasn't enough for me anymore because I feel like I kind of had done that right. and um, there there just had to be more of a there there. So, you know, so with that, you know, I was kind of open to it. I, I you know, I recognized that that's how I felt. Um, and I ended up taking like a break from work, like a sabbatical. Um, for about six months just to like think about okay like what it was it then that I want mm-hmm. to do with my life and and create um and again I wasn't really searching for an idea at that point um but it just came up organically as through my journey as a mom you know I was researching I breastfed my son for like 11 months it's just like the hardest thing I've ever done That's um so it's just so hard <laughs> so 
So the last month I was finally transitioning into formula. So I took it very seriously in terms of like mm-hmm. what formula brand should I buy? Like what water should I use for his formula? And I was pretty horrified in that process to learn that there's all these microplastics in our drinking water. And I was like, what I'm getting, I'm making my formula with water that has like plastic in it and he's ingesting it. Like that's just crazy to me. And that's when I, fir- that's when even I if you filter to- it, you can't even filter like, the only kind of filter you can, you have, to, so not even like bottled water, bottled water has even more microplastics than tap water. But I went to this whole journey of like only like one type of filtration system, like a reverse osmosis filtration system will filter it out. But in our New York city apartment, that won't fit under our sink. Right. And so, yeah, that's when I started to realize like, Oh my God, what are we doing as a society? Like all this plastic we're using is ending up in the oceans, which I knew, but I didn't know it was then like breaking down. And showing back up in like our food, your baby's formula, water, <laughs> our baby's formula, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, with that, I decided like at minimum, I need to cut back my own plastic consumption. Like I was convinced. Um, so that's when you started that, your like sustainability. Yeah, like, yeah, that's when no I started to do my plastic, sustainability yeah. journey. Um, that's when I started to try to cut back as much single use plastic as I could, and then. It, then it was just really interesting as a consumer because I was really well-intentioned, but, you know, you walk into any retailer, grocery, drugstore, and it's just aisles of plastic. Like, you just have no choice. Like, if you need anything, like ketchup, like mm-hmm. lotion, like toothpaste, you know, cleaning products, everything, everything comes in plastic. Um, and, yeah, that's when I just started to connect the dots. I was like, oh, well, I have this entrepreneurial background. Like, I could have such a larger impact beyond just my personal consumption if mm-hmm. I can help create more choice and better choices for consumers and so yeah that's how the initial idea for Blue Land came about but it was still wasn't clear it's was like oh it's going to be tablet at that point it was just okay there's got to be a better solution I really am such a fan of the products I think it's so smart you were on Shark Tank uh, yes. What was your thought process on getting an investment from Shark Tank? And did you go, yes. you got it from Kevin O'Leary, which amazing, yes. so freaking cool. What was your thought process on wanting to go on Shark Tank? Like, were there any reservations? What was the process like? Are they actually super involved? Like, I'm, I'm so yeah. curious. I'm a huge fan of that show. Yeah, yeah. And, and so was I. And so it always been kind of like a dream, but kind of like a half joke dream. I don't know, but yeah. I always like... I remember always thinking like, I'd love to go on Shark Tank one yeah. day. And so uh, it was just incredible to have that come true. And also just terrifying. Like, no, no, like, no, 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 no. I literally, like my anxiety levels thinking and walking through those doors, like I just can't. Oh my God, I'm so sweating terrifying. right now thinking. <laughs> so, so terrifying. Like, yeah, so terrifying. Plus like we were in there for like over an hour and then they edited oh it down. God. They don't stop filming for anything. And so then they edited scary. it down to like, what, six minutes? And you have no, like, you know, like oh my God. you have no no idea what facial expression they're gonna zoom into like I like I the makeup lady put like fake eyelashes on me which then like I swear like when I got in there I I thought one was like falling off I swore like half of it was flapping and so like every time uh our chemist Syed was talking I was like trying to like push it out just like the whole the whole thing was just like, oh my god but you got the investment but even before so we got we got there like why did you think it was the best idea to go on Shark Tank uh, was it yeah. more exposure? Because I feel like you're not, you have a really strong network of potential investors and VCs. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it definitely was. I mean, it definitely was the exposure for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, um, I always knew that Shark Tank wasn't right for like every company mm-hmm. or brand, but given like our price points, right? Like $2 refill tablets, it is 
very accessible, you know, eco, you know, was certainly a topic that, mm-hmm. you know, people were talking about a lot. There's a lot of momentum behind it. And so it just, it just seemed like, you know, the perfect channel to really try to reach every household in America, you know, which is part of our mission. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just seemed like a no brainer that, you know, and it's a nice, like, you know, it's a nice, like, almost like gimmicky. We didn't design it to be gimmicky, but it's like tablet and water. And just, it felt like right. it, it would be well on Shark Tank. Did you so, want Kevin? So, I mean, I've always loved Kevin, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I love that he's, he's, you know, aggressive, but also, you know, financially disciplined. But we honestly were initially, like, stunned. Like, he's not <laughs> who I would have No, no, I thought Lori. At all, agree. Everyone was like, Lori, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we thought, especially because with Kevin, he's so valuation sensitive, mm-hmm. and he's always talking about multiples, and we had only been live for one month at that point. So we didn't really have that much revenue to show for ourselves or or metrics at all. And he seemed to be the type that would be very focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're like, we're like over the moon still about like how it turned out. Like he's been amazing. He's like very accessible. Like I also wasn't sure what to expect. I think right. all the years I've watched. So I just assumed that the sharks aren't really involved. Like how can they be right? right. Like they're, I feel like they invest left and right, like in all these like, you know, small businesses. Um, but he is so accessible. I mean, I feel like, you know, we probably text or talk once every two weeks or so. Wow. Um, that's that's yeah. so nice and refreshing to hear. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. Yeah. It, it, same. We we weren't expecting that either. And so it really has been um it has been really great. Amazing. What was the prep? Like, and sorry, I'll move on, but I'm just like clearly no, a huge fan of the show. No, no, no. I mean, the prep was intense. Like, I think, you know, just kind of going even back to my childhood, like I, I did a doubt, like I can do it, but I'm, it's always like, not that like, I just had happened in me. Like, I just need to like be really prepped and like put mm-hmm. in the time to be prepped. And if I'm prepped, it will be okay. Yeah. And so we, we spent so like the whole, our whole team was like, like, especially for, like, the seven days leading into Shark Tank, like, myself and Syed, you know, our head mm-hmm. of R&D, like, that's all we did. Like, we, uh, that's literally all we did was, like, 24-7 Shark Tank prep, and, like, whole team would be on the, on, like, um, video call or in person, like, grilling us at least two times a day. Wow. And we just, like, yeah, we just would pull in random people to just, like, you know, grill us as well, because we just needed to be able to, like, every which way be wow attack do they smile do do they do a test with you before you go on or it's just raw they just go it's just raw it's just raw it's just raw so that's why like about 50 percent of what gets filmed doesn't air which would be the worst to make it all the way to LA that whole process have prepped so much and then film and not air would just right but but as you can imagine a lot of people like you know like freeze yeah. up or like say things that they can't like you know or it just is not interesting it like it's really flat yeah. um so do you think yeah, that because you had that platform to launch with that you were able to demo and showcase that that was a big reason why people were able to change behavior I you mean shark tank getting on shark tank getting on shark tank like I again back to like the question of launching a product that has never been done before or changing behavior yeah. something that is so in our day-to-day like, do you think that being able to actually demo it with a, a syndicated platform like that, that that's how, that's how you got to change behavior. And also like second part to the question still to this day, do you know the percentage of people who are repeat buyers or, or, um, subscribers that are from Shark Tank? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, to the first question, yeah, definitely from a credibility perspective, I think it gave us cred- credibility with a much broader mm-hmm. audience than we had initially, or we would have had on our own. I think initially, right. you know, it was very much like an early adopter startup crowd or like, you know, the eco um, eco community. But I think being on a show like that really gave us a true like national platform. Yeah. Um, and just goes a long way when we can say that, you know, we were on, on Shark Tank. It just right. makes it a lot more accessible and makes it a lot more interesting you know, even for people that may not be as interested in, in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in terms of like that Shark Tank audience, yeah, we still have the data around like, you know, all the people that we acquired um, through the initial showing and we've already gotten like a national rerun since then. Uh, Kim Kardashian actually caught the rerun live Stop. and she tweeted about it. Yeah, she tweeted about it three times, like on her own. Like it was the craziest. Okay. I can't. I, uh, I can't. <laughs> and then she bought it. She tweeted like, oh, has anyone tried this? I'm going to buy it now. And I remember we were like, did she just buy it? And we checked like our, you know, our side. We're like, oh my gosh, she, she literally bought. actually bought the product. So like, yeah. Oh my God. It's crazy. Um, but no, I mean, the Shark Tank audience has been great. You know, their, their repeat and their engagement has been in line with with, you know, our, our customer base. And I think the fact that we have a refill system makes the repeat really healthy. Cause like once yeah. you invest in the bottle, you know, once you have that initial intention to do this, like as yeah. long as we don't fail you as a customer, like you people are inclined to like stick with it. Like it's really yeah. hard to be like, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to go back to regular plastic yeah. bottled hand soap. I realize that we haven't given the audience like a full breakdown of what Blue Land is exactly. Like we've been hinting at like different things, pods, water, yeah. glass, yeah. but can you give us kind of like a brief, um, on what Blue Land is and what the products are that you offer currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Blue Land, um, you know, like I mentioned, you know, Blue Land started with this mission to eliminate single-use plastic packaging, and we are starting with cleaning products. Um, and so the set of cleaning products that we have on the market are um, cleaning sprays, a multi-surface cleaner, a glass and mirror cleaner, bathroom cleaner. We have a liquid hand soap, um, and we've newly introduced the dish category. So we have dish soap as well as dishwasher tablets. Oh, I need to get on that. Yeah. I'm yeah. We'll, on that we'll, yet. we'll send you some dish products. Yeah. <laughs> wow. they're, they're great. Um, but all of our products come as like a refillable like system in reusable bottles. And so the idea is you just buy the bottles or these containers once you never have to buy or throw away another plastic bottle again. Um, and you simply refill them with, um, our, most of our products come in like the tablet form. So, um, you know, you take our multi-surface cleaner or liquid hand soap, you just fill up, you know, your bottle with warm water, you drop a tablet in. And at the end of that, you have a full, you know, bottle of, after a few minutes, you have a full bottle of solution. Um, and those tablets can come packaged, come packaged in like a paper-based compostable wrapper versus plastic. No, I feel like you guys have thought of everything. And also like the bottle is beautiful. I've never felt like I wanted to keep my Windex equivalent on my counter, you know, oh, <laughs> like okay. ever. One of the questions that I definitely wanted to hit was about COVID and how it's affected your business. Um, obviously there's a huge surge in people wanting to have a lot of cleaning products for sure. Um, but I also read somewhere that this has kind of expanded all of our minds and has moved the sustainability movement up three years than what was expected. Um, have you seen that transition into sales at all? 
We have, we have. And I mean, we like could not feel more fortunate to be mm-hmm. on like the right side of all of this, right? Um, but we, we, we certainly have because yeah, our sales probably in the past four month period have increased about three times versus that prior period. So wow. yeah, yeah. So we saw a huge surge for sure. And as you can imagine, especially like early days, people were very focused on like cleaning their homes, very focused on hand washing, um, which is what we found from all of our research is something that state, like people just have a different relationship with washing their hands mm-hmm. now and wash longer and more frequently. Yeah. Um, but you know, other are other products as well, even dish, which is a new product is, you know, definitely benefiting because, you know, people are just home more yeah. cooking, more cleaning, cleaning more as well um you know e-com has also really benefited um hugely uh just because you know with people being wary to to go into stores and so i know that's yeah. an, an industry-wide trend as well um but definitely you know we 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 we've we've also just heard from our consumers that you know increased focus on sustainability at this time just people being a lot more mindful mm-hmm. you know, now that you know they are at, at home and, and have that time and also honestly like you know, a lot of the conventional disinfectant, like a lot of the conventional, like harsh cleaners just weren't available in stores. Right. People needed alternatives. Yeah. So So it really drove people to, you know, to try, you know, alternative brands. And now that many people have tried them, they like them and they, you know, plan on staying with them. And you also have that subscription model, which is also great for business because you just have them. What's the percentage of people that subscribe versus are one-time users? Yeah. So about 20% of our customers subscribe with us. Amazing. So I feel like everyone that's listening is already trying to like make steps to figure out their sustainable next steps. Um, But aside from buying Blue Land, um, what are some tips that maybe you can give us like three um, tangible things that the audience can implement into their life? That's not like, you know, that's not super intense or like that they think that they have to go to a beach and start cleaning plastic off the, you know, like what are, what are three things that I can start doing today? Totally. Totally. I mean, there are so many things that are like easy and free that you can just start now. Um, I mean, one big one is just, you know, refusing things that you don't need, right? Like whether it's like, it doesn't even be plastic stuff. Like you could be going to Chipotle and picking up a burrito. Like, do you need that paper bag? They stick it in. Like, no, you can carry your salad or your burrito. Mm-hmm. you know, home or to work just fine. Right. Or, you know, I think a lot of people are also getting takeout obviously in this moment in time, mm-hmm. but you know, you're going to eat that at home. So just, you know, when you order it, making a note or, you know, asking them like, I don't need plastic utensils, you know, I don't need napkins. I don't need extra ketchup packs or sauce mm-hmm. packs, but, you know, really calling out, um, the things that you don't need. Cause I think a lot of people are surprised how much, you know, trash we end up generating or consuming. Cause it's kind of imposed on us. Yeah. Um, and we, second like, guess is to like do we really need, need that right um, so you know that's certainly one I think um you know kitchen is, is definitely a big source of, of plastic and I know again people are home and cooking more but you know saran wrap and ziploc bags are big you know culprits and there are amazing alternatives out there you know the stasher is a great ziploc bag alternative stasher? Um, and stasher stasher okay yeah they're made of silicone that. Um, you just need to buy a bunch so that you're prepared, but it's all like dishwasher safe. It's like, it's a really easy system to put Amazing. up. It's a really easy need for Ziploc bags. And same thing with Saran Wrap. There's no shortage of like, even go on Amazon, there's no shortage of like circle, like silicone wraps that come yeah. in like a bunch of different sizes that are like really cheap that, you yeah. know, you can just throw in the 
culture as well. Um, and mm. yeah, um, another one that's popular is contact lens wears, which is a mm. lot of us. Yeah, like those uh, blister packs that they come in. Yeah. Um, they're not yeah. recyclable at home, but um, there's a company, TerraCycle, um, that is sponsored by Bao Shenlong. And you can just print out a free shipping label. You can just collect those those plastic, you know, packs and, and mail it to them and they'll responsibly recycle. Amazing. Those are really good tips. Um, so I want to touch on your statement for Black Lives Matter because I thought it was amazing. And for a new brand to take a stance like that, I thought was really cool to see. Um, but I especially want to talk about the intersection between sustainability and racism and anti-racism work. Um, because we see that these communities are definitely the ones that are suffering the most when it comes to the climate crisis. Um, and I would just love to hear your thoughts on that and how we can make steps to be anti-racist within sustainability. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, everything that's happened over the past, I guess, month has been really eye-opening um, for me and our team. Mm -hmm. um, I think in retrospect, it's crazy that we never really thought about race, mm -hmm. you know, whether it was with our team or with hiring or with our supply chain or, you know, where we spend, you know, our money, because, you know, I think in retrospect, you know, we weren't really sustainable and we weren't actually, you know, socially responsible um, if, since we weren't recognizing that there are certain communities that are disproportionately impacted by global warming, mm -hmm. uh, by pollution, by climate change. And yeah, I think, you know, we actually just posted today, you know, more about, you know, environmental racism, because that is, it, it is a topic that, you know, certainly was newer to us and yeah. you know, it's newer to a lot of our audience. And I mean, it's new to me too. I just, I had never even thought about that correlation. I had never thought about how certain communities were located specifically near certain um, totally, areas totally. that are, that are obviously damaging. Yeah. Um, I mean, people are pretty surprised to hear because then, you know, usually the, I, you know, I hear back from people saying like, no, it's because it's income. Right. And no, it's actually race, race, not income is the leading indicator of where toxic plants are placed, you know, and you know, if you're a black American, you are three times more likely to die from a pollution related illness. Um, so it is, you know, it's, 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 it is, it is shocking. And I think, um, it's been, you know, energizing for us to, you know, also, you know, very proactively make that now, you know, a, a part of our mission to make sure we're raising awareness, making sure that, you know, we're being mindful and be sure that, um, you know, we're being proactive in as many ways as we can yeah. as a business, um, to, to combat that. Are there any um, outlets or resources, um, journals, or anything that you found to be really helpful specifically on that topic that our, our listeners can go check out? It's a good question, actually. I mean, I've definitely been, we've been focused sort of more on like general resources. There are definitely um, good folks to follow. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and if you don't know them off the top of your head, like I can, no, I can no, put them no, in the okay. no, 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 definitely have a few, you know, on Instagram, you know, green girl, green girl, Leah. Mm -hmm. um, has been a great advocate for, you know, raising awareness on, uh, environmental, you know, injustice and racism, mm -hmm. waste-free Marie, M-A-R-I-E is another one. Um, and another young woman, Jeannot, J-H-A-N-N-E-A-U. Um, Amazing. but you know, all three have been really, really great about sort of beating the drum in, 
and raising this awareness because it still is, you know, uh, an area that, you know, hasn't been, you know, widely spoken about, you know, not, not, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just like so crazy that like with all the good intentions of having a sustainable company, that this is something that everyone has been asleep at the wheel for. Like, I mean, in every, and honestly for, for this movement, everyone has been asleep at the wheel for every single industry to be clear. Totally, totally. But this one was one that I re- just really did not, it was completely out of my periphery, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. I, this podcast really is for the person who, first of all, loves to hear about entrepreneurial journeys and career paths but it's really for the person who is eager to find what that thing is for them and may feel kind of paralyzed because there's this huge kind of like push for people to be working in what you love. And like, if you work in what you love, you're you're never working a day in your life. And I think that that's very loaded. Um, And of course it's paralyzing if you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So um, I would love to hear from you if, if a friend or someone in your family or someone that sees you doing something that's so impactful and something that you love, uh, what advice you would give them if they felt stuck and they, they, they want to find that for themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Because it, it can be overwhelming and it's it's so loaded. It's just a lot to ask of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big, you know, first step is really distilling down for yourself and just being really honest with yourself about what really matters to you and what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really just stripping out or out like, expectations and any other expectations that you or friends or other people might put on and just really be honest and like prioritize that list right because I think there are so many things right whether it's you know having an impact on the world whether it's your title power money right and I think the first step is just being honest with yourself because I think there's also a lot of pressure right for that answer to be mm-hmm. like not power or money um but if that is like you should recognize it right or if it is you know being able to um spend enough time with your family or friends like if it's really important to your health well-being and happiness to work nine to five like recognize that and own that because otherwise i think it's really hard to like chart your path to something that you'll truly love if you're not being clear with yourself on like sort of like what's in and what's out and how does that you know what is the ranking of 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 those things um and I think that's helped a lot I mean I like I've really loved being in my 30s I feel like when I was younger I was just like very overwhelmed because there was like all these boxes I felt like I needed to check that I wanted to check and there just wasn't clear I didn't have enough experience either to know what would or would not make me happy like now that I'm older I know that like money is important, but I don't feel it in my day to day. Right. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's in my bank account and who I'm working with, like that really matters. Right. Like that, like it, it's funny because when people think about like work and their career, like they don't really factor in like, well, who are you interacting with day to day? That's literally one of my most important things. Like I need and to be so energized important. by the people that totally, I'm talking to. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. And that may be more important than like the industry that you're working in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are you energized by the people around you? Are they, you know, are you still growing, et cetera? And so I think it's, you know, getting tight about that list. Um, and like I was saying, like what I've lo- loved about my thirties is that, you know, I just, I feel like I just have that. I have more of that freedom now to do, you know, less of what I think I should do and more of what I want to do. I also just know myself so much better. Um, and yeah. And for me, as I've gotten older, it's, I've been able to be clear with myself about like, it's important for me to be able to 
spend enough time with my son. It's really important for me to, you know, do work that, you know, I feel like is, is having a positive impact on, on the world around me. I love that. Did you write this list before you started Blue Land? Um, I, I, I guess I effectively did. I did end up having like a list. Um, and it's, it's actually an exercise, even at HBS, like the first week of school, they make you do. And I think it's really fascinating because it just, it really like forces you like to answer, like, does money matter to you? Does power matter? Like, it's okay if the answer is yes, but mm-hmm. like, you know, be honest with yourself. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. What would you say with Blue Lander, with your life right now that you would say is your driving active ingredient? Um, it's a big question. Me, it really is. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard. It's one of those things that definitely changes, but I think, you know, for me, it definitely has been quality time with, with my son and, and my family. I think, um, I think, pe- you know, people definitely, you know, ask a lot if, you know, if becoming our mom, um, has been hard, like has, uh, has, has been hard to balance, like mm-hmm. balance, you know, being a mom with startup life. And, um, it's interesting because when I think about it, like, becoming a mom is probably what has actually brought more balance to my life. Um, because I think otherwise, like prior to having a child, like, you know, work can just be all consuming. You can, you there, you can always work more. You can right. work you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But I think, um, having a child especially is a really, you know, important and, you know, a reason that I really want to like unplug and be a hundred percent present and really just like turn off my phone and you know be really engaged in it I think it's it's brought a whole other sort of level of of, of balance to my life I love that answer I always close out the podcast asking what is your literal active ingredient like it can be coffee it can be matcha it can be water it can be um I don't know making your bed like what is something that is you something you have to absolutely do that is your active ingredient every day yeah um coffee for sure um but i i also i also just need i i i do need some me time i i need like half an hour um you know by myself at the end of the which has been hard especially in this quarantine period mm-hmm. all, you know, in a <laughs> kind of out the window space, yeah. kind of on top of each other but you know i think also just recognizing over the years that i am an introvert and that's where i get my energy and you know definitely being a work and being uh, working and being a mom, you know, you're just like, go, go, go. And you're always on that. Yeah. I just, I really just need that. I can't just like work mom work and then go to bed. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I need, I I need sort of that time to unplug and re-energize. Awesome. Where can everyone find Blue Land and where can people follow your career journey? Yeah. So, uh, everyone can find Blue Land at blueland.com. Uh, you can also uh, follow Blue Land at Blue Land on Instagram. And you can also follow me on my personal account at Spigey. That's S-P-A-I-J-I. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on. This was amazing. No, thanks so I much. I love your story. So and I oh. love your product. <laughs> I, I really, really, I really, really mean it. Oh, that's that's seriously. Uh, thank you so much for, for all this. I'm going to turn on all my friends and my mom and everyone. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank you so much.
Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you can take two seconds of your time to rate and review us, it would really mean the world and help us out a ton. If you guys want more inspiration and quotes from the episode, you can check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.